Sports Movie Minute Podcast, Space Jam Edition. A podcast where we discuss the movie Space Jam minute by minute. We are your hosts, Chris and Kayla, joining you once again. Happy Friday, everyone. Yeah. Wait, no, it's not Friday. What am I talking about? This is episode 48. It's minute 50. Yes. Oh, what am... Oh, God, my brain. Uh, my brain has... Happy whatever day it is, too, whenever you're listening <laughs> to this, so... You're right. You're right. Sorry. Sorry. Especially when you're considering our, one of our biggest listener bases is France as well with the time difference. They're mm. a day behind us. So, uh, bonjour. <laughs> Hi, France. Um, sorry, peeps. I've been working all day and I've had a really productive day, but a very big day. Christopher had the day off. I've been playing golf all day, so he's I'm a doing lot, great. He's a lot fresher than I am. Um, but this is episode 48, minute 50, which starts with um, Michael Jordan taking the ball away from Stan, very uh, gingerly, we'll say, and it ends with basketball being cancelled. It actually ends at a very perfect moment, and I've got a lot, a lot actually, on this minute, so we better yeah. get going. I'll just make one quick comment before we do um, on golf and Michael Jordan. I was like, almost like, maybe I should take some cash with me and, and you know, just have a, have a few bets on the golf course along the way. It probably wouldn't have ended well for me. I was going to say, didn't you lose? Uh, yeah, but if I was betting on the longest drive, I would have won. Anyway, that's been ending there. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Is that only because we talked about how poor you are at free throw shooting on multiple yeah. occasions? So yeah. you got to talk about how good your drive Sporting is. game somewhere. Of course. Um, where would you like to start? I would like to start with Granny. Yes. Yeah. I only have a little bit on Granny, just because, I mean, she's not that key of a character. So I didn't think we needed to spend that much time on her. But I thought there were, there were a couple of interesting points that I wanted to bring up. So I didn't even know that she had a real name. Did you look up her real name? I did not. It's Emma Webster. That's Granny's actual name. Not yeah. Granny. And obviously, so she owns Tweety and Sylvester, and she obviously foils a lot of Sylvester's plans. But what I didn't know is that she is Bugs and Daffy's neighbor. All right. So Bugs and Daffy must only live either like across the street or one door down or yeah, whatever. I didn't realize. Do you know the name of the street? No, there's no street. Yeah. It just says she's neighbors to Bugs and Daffy. She is yeah. a neighbor to Bugs and Daffy. Yeah. Um, and she's had a couple of different people voice her through the years, but the person who's voiced her the longest is uh, someone named June Foray, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, who voiced her for 60 years. Hmm. 60 is a long time to be a voice for someone. 60 years, 60, yeah. yeah, six zero. People's voice, your voice would generally change a bit over 60 years as well with age, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and to think that like, you wouldn't life. even <laughs> meet love, and then you wouldn't even start voicing until you're—I mean, you wouldn't voice a character called Granny until you're at least in your twenties. So this woman was like well into her eighties, must have been. Wow, still voicing her, really fitting that Granny mold. Then she probably was a Granny, hundred <laughs> percent. And I'm um, obviously bringing it back to me because that's all I care about. Uh, June Foray, the voice of Granny, was from Springfield, Massachusetts. And we're really upping the uh, Massachusetts blood because remember, Marlene Stewart was from Boston. Mm -hmm. It's all happening. uh, Massachusetts representations. Yeah. Um, They don't give her much. Just like, I'm a cheerleader. 
She's it's, not that key of a character. Yeah. It's almost like, oh, uh, yeah, but like, are you just going to say, I'm a cheerleader and wave some bonbons and then that's yes. it. That's the depth of your character. Yeah. This is what it was like. Uh, was, she's granny. That's yeah. all she does. What is she knitting? <laughs> so, like, does that, you as a She was not knitting pom poms. She was knitting. Oh, I was going to say. And then she had pom poms. To the untrained eye, which mine obviously is, it looked like she was knitting and then knitting the actual pom pom. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Oh, well, maybe she was. What are pom poms actually made out of? Uh, nylon. Nylon. Um, or, like, a, mine wore this, like, I've had a couple. Um, the, the the most recent ones I had were like plastic, I guess you'd almost say, uh, like like cellophane kind of, but not like stronger cellophane. Yeah. Um, but I actually did a little bit of research on cheerleading. Did you have anything? Because I don't want to do two monologues in a row, granny and then cheerleading. So what what's next on your topics? Uh, well, chronologically, it makes sense to go to cheerleading because I I just. Fascinated about the LA forum. Oh, okay. I'll give you the forum then. I'll give you the forum. Um, So I'll just do cheerleading quickly because I love a good history lesson, especially again, I was a cheerleader in high school, so I love to bring it back to to the things that are relevant to me. Um, So cheerleading. Do you know that it used to be all men? It was originally all men? No, I did not. You didn't know that? No. Oh, yeah. Cheerleading was an all male sport. Sport as in when I so does his roots go back to supporting enough sport as it's going on? Or is yeah, yeah. So it started in the late 19th century at the University of Minnesota. And so basically there was just a game and one of the guys there, whose name I did not write down, was because a cheerleader's job, right, is actually not to dance like it ha- kind of has become as a Dallas yeah. Cowboy cheerleader. It is to lead the cheers yeah. of the crowd, right? So yes. there's a lot of call and response or you do a lot of the same cheers over and over so the crowd can participate with you and whatever. Go Wildcats. Correct. That's like that, but you want something with like a little bit of rhythm. More chant and rhythm. Yeah, yeah. So people can... Like the beat of a drum. Yes. Yeah, so like when most cheerleaders, or at least when I was cheering, you cheer in front of the, the, the high school band. Yeah. Or the college band. That way you can... They can pep, like pep you up. And, mm, I've seen enough movies yeah. now to be familiar yeah. with that setup. Exactly. So late nineteenth century started at the university, University of Minnesota. The first team was six men, and men or sorry, men and women didn't actually join until the nineteen twenties. So nearly thirty years later. Wow. And now it's become pretty much an all-female sport. Uh, talking about pom-poms, those didn't come around for 10 years into the 30s. And originally they were made of paper, which is a nightmare. So, like, you know, like... Uh, they right. Exactly. You know, like, streamers? Like, yeah. crepe paper? That's what they used to be made out of. Yeah, that's not practical. We used to do those for, like, a high school pep rallies. Yeah. You'd get, like, a stick, like a, like a wooden dowel, and you'd tape, like, streamers to it. Yeah, yeah. But... Let's be honest, it's not last very long. What happens at a pep rally? You just create a lot of... You pep up. <laughs> noise and then everyone starts yelling and then that's about it. Correct. Very peppy. <laughs> There's a lot... You get the cheerleaders to kind of to lead some cheers. You kind of prepare for a football game. Um, depending on the school, like you might have different... 
So in my, you guys have houses, obviously, in Australia. Yeah. In the U.S., you mostly kind of separate by year. Yeah. So freshmen, juniors, seniors, whatever. And there can be, like, competitions between the grades or whatever. So you might do, like, I don't know, a lip syncing contest. And each grade has to kind of get up and perform something. Right. You might, yeah, you just, like, you play silly games and stuff. It's good fun. Um, but the last comment I have about cheerleaders... Do you know who the first professional football team was? Who's credited with having the first cheerleaders? I'm guessing it's not the Cowboys, so I'll go with... It is a team that does not exist in its current... In its in the format that it was. Uh, Minneapolis? Are you saying that because it started in Minnesota? Uh, I don't know. It just came to my head. No. No, it was the Baltimore Colts. Who are now the Indianapolis Colts? So there are also the Baltimore Ravens. Oh, sorry. Yeah, why well, yeah, would I say? No, no. I mean, there are the cults. Cults exist, but so does Baltimore. Tough to know. I don't, I don't know who moves to where. Mm. My NFL history is not that great. Baltimore. Speaking of Baltimore, you need to watch The Wire. Wow. You're going... You're ten- I really got tangent. You're, you're tangenting <laughs> That's a that, that, that early? Slide side note. Um, and what do you... Was that again, sorry? Oh, I did not write it down. I did right. not write down the year. I feel like it wasn't for a little while. And the first Super Bowl appearance they made was Super Bowl Ten. Mm. Um, and you mentioned the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders before. No, sweetheart, you mentioned the Dallas Cowboys. No, right back at the start, you, you made a comment around Dallas Cowboys when you were talking about cheerleaders. Okay, sure. Is that um, is it like the thing that the Cowboys cheerleaders do they really take it to the next level in terms I- of? I think I didn't read this because, frankly, the article that I was reading, uh, it was on Time magazine, and I got to a certain point, and then the photo stopped loading, and then I gave up. And I had enough information to, to oh, get yeah. us there. But I think, I think, the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders were the first ones to appear at a Super Bowl. Right. Okay. I think. But that could be wrong because, like I said, the article crashed, and I already had enough information for this podcast. Yeah. So I gave, I quit. I no, no, get, does it like tied to like so the Dallas Cowboys are you know known as America's team? Um, very are they? That's how they refer to in the media and stuff. Or because Yuck. of that, you know, <laughs> as, as a Packers fan, you would not buy into that. No, mm. um, but do you then think it's like that kind of culture? That Dallas Cowboys culture, obviously, very heavy. Um, football following in Texas um, and then that known as America's team probably a strong national following as it is probably one of the strongest football brands right? Yeah but not one of the strongest football teams. No, no in terms of success no. And I mean I don't necessarily know that that matters for so if you look at a map of NFL following it's very very, very geographic. Hmm. Like, you don't actually get that much of a Dallas Cowboys following outside of Texas, unless they either used to live in Texas or their parents are from Texas or what have you. If you've got a team in your state, you follow, or city, depending on what state you live in, yeah. you follow that team. So you follow the college team where you went to college, if you went to college, and then you'll follow your your NFL team will line up to where yeah. you grew up or where you're currently yeah. living, depending on... When you started following. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, internationally, obviously the NFL has built up more of an international fan base, not as strong as the NBA, but yeah, I don't like I think to your point that because Dallas um, hasn't had much success on the field. That's probably limited their international appeal compared to uh, like a Patriots. Well, that's what I was going to say. I would think that at the moment, the NFL team with the largest following would have to be the Patriots globally. Yeah. I would guess. Yeah. Then I feel like it's probably because since access to watching NFL has become more readily available, um, yeah, like teams, people can kind of pick and choose a bit more. They can, but you also, I mean, I I think that when you follow a sports team, most of the people that I know who don't follow the same team as their parents do, it's because when they started watching sport, that team was winning. Yeah. No? Disagree? Uh, Like think of every, every single, every single sports fan, you know? Yeah. I'd say... 50% 50% of them follow their team because of their parents. Yes. Um, I'd go 10% follow a team because they decided they were going to follow the opposite of their parents or the opposite of their <laughs> friends. Spite. Um, the spite factor. Yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, like, Duncan, Duncan, when he was on here, he said that, right? That he yeah. went and he, he chose the opposite team from the family that he was watching games with, with AFL. Um and then I would honestly estimate about 20%, 20 to 25% would have picked a team because they were successful when they started noticing sport. Hmm. I, and then the remaining ones, they just chose a random team. Yeah. I was family, but I skipped the generation because it definitely wasn't from my parents. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You're right. Not but yeah, generational. But, yeah. But then like a grandparent, like for me, mm. it was a grandparent and I probably got my mum and dad more into sport because yeah. once I... Started watching a lot of sport. Like, mum, could you believe it that mum actually hated cricket? And then, yes, I can. And then because I started playing cricket and she comes to my games, and then she would actually start actually following it internationally. Oh. A little bit. Not, like, closely, but... Yeah. Like, she'd say, like, oh, like, I made them put the cricket on the TV at work today. They weren't happy, but I wanted to see the score. And I was like... It is honestly, You're welcome. it is the sweetest thing in the world when my human's mom will message him and, uh, and say, like she used to message him because they would do like AFL tipping and she'd ask him like, who should I who tip? Should I tip yeah. And then she'd message him and be like, oh, North Melbourne won. Cause that's who he supports. And I'm like, bless your heart. You're just the mm. sweetest mom ever. Um, but yes. Anyway. Okay. So we, we've gone off track a little yeah. bit, but so cheerleading. And then you want to talk about the forum, men, take it away. Um, well, yeah, so this is the second time the forum's featured. Well, the first time, I think it was supposed to be the forum, but there was no distinguishing feature. Here we get like... Oh, because we were in the... like the, inside, The yeah. halls, yeah. Yeah, so we have the NBA commission, well, the guy playing the NBA commissioner. We assume it's meant to be the commissioner. Yeah, it's in the, like... I'm pretty sure on the credits, it's credited as the NBA commissioner, the role. Played by one, Douglas Robert Jackson. Okay. Who didn't have a lot on his <laughs> IMBD page. IMDB? Uh, yeah, that one. Yeah, okay. I'm yeah, terrible yeah. You got it. I know, I know. Um, other than yeah, a few other random movies in the night, like Cable Guy. This is like a bathroom attendant or the oh. person in the bathroom or I don't know, something random like that. But... Um, we already mentioned 
a few minutes back that David Stern didn't mm-hmm. want to. So I, from what I read, he was asked the question of whether he would be in the movie and he didn't want to. Um, so we can only speculate on why that would be. But um, And are you going to? I... I love when you speculate. It cracks me up. <laughs> I... Yeah, I don't... It's interesting because he obviously... Yeah, he obviously was a great commissioner and did a lot of good things. He also, I feel like, had quite a big ego. So I was like, yeah, surely you would want to get your face on the, the TV screen. As you know, like healthy doses of ego is sometimes good in those roles, but I could only assume like maybe they just too much time commitment. Big like like in terms of isn't there for all of forty five seconds? I know, yeah, or like. Or maybe like a competitive disparity. So if he's going in a movie with Michael Jordan's movie, Mm. essentially, it's like, oh, he's too chummy with Michael and yada, yada. Oh, he didn't want to be seen as favoritism. Showing favoritism. That would probably be my strongest theory. Well, your your theory previously was that, and maybe you hadn't done the research yet, but you were like, I think you said, or maybe I said, it's tough to know. This, this, these podcasts all blur. Oh, I can't remember what I said and, 10 minutes ago. Yeah, oh, 100%. Uh, was that, why wouldn't he have done it? Because it would have, he liked things that publicized the NBA. Yes. Maybe this was negative NBA press, potentially. Or, if you're talking about ego, maybe they didn't give him enough to do. Because this man only has yeah, that's true. two it's sentences. Like, if I'm going to be in the movie, I need like, yeah, give at me least a, 10 minutes yeah. of screen time. Um... <laughs> But yeah, so but again, again, we're just speculating. So, well, I think I thought it was interesting because I wrote down they would never announce the cancellation of a basketball season in that way. No, like everybody's kind of clamoring, and everybody's like, you'd have a press conference. A, a proper Not press a, conference. Yeah, uh, NBA commissioner like basically power walking towards. <laughs> And the he, LA Forum. And he screams quiet. Can you imagine Adam Silver like screaming at a bunch of <laughs> reporters? Adam Shut up. Yeah, exactly. The most calm and Yeah. Um, Would you like person. to tell our listeners what you said while we were rewatching this minute? What did I say? Yeah. Uh yeah, well, it's too real. It is very so, real. In relation to the line. Until we can guarantee the health and safety of our players, there will be no more basketball this season. Um, yeah, that's that's way too real. It's <laughs> very, very real. Space Jam yeah. in 1996 predicting the 2020 future. Yeah. Um, it's basically The Simpsons. Yeah. Yeah, The Simpsons predicts all the events. Yeah. Yeah. Adam Silver could have just taken that line from the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, we should search for it now and see if Adam Silver has actually said it it's about a that. Copycat, we'll have to call him out. Oh, 100%. But this, as we know, poor human. Um, as of yet, there are no confirmed Yes, there is. Cases oh, okay. Of players <laughs> having their talents. I was like, what do you mean? Um, it's, no, you're correct. So, well, that we know of. We're just keeping it in the wraps. Of, yeah. There's a few that I can suspect. You know, and there's like a player that will just, one season they'll be great and next season they just seemingly go off a cliff. 
Yes. Yes, I do. Um, so there's probably probably could be a few cases out there in summary. Yeah, of the nerd locks. Mm-hmm. I believe you. I believe you. Um, but, yeah, so LA Forum. Yes. So Lakers, Kings played there until 1999 mm-hmm. before moving to the State Centre and started in 1967. So mm-hmm. that's a long stretch for an arena. Yes. Um, yes, it is. Like these days as well because I feel like new venues get built more frequently these days. I agree. I think – I gotta be honest, I think the older the venue is, like, this sounds really stupid. The older the venue is, the longer that they play in it, like, even existing. So, if you think about something like a Madison Square Garden or a Fenway Park well, yeah. or a Wembley or whatever, right? Like, yeah, they the go, history. yeah, they, they, they go because of the history or they stay because of the history. Whereas, yes, stadiums that were built 10 years ago, they're less and less likely to, to stay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, because there's not the nostalgia factor. So it yeah. doesn't, people are as attached to them. Mm. Um, but it's interesting as well, like you look at um, Staples Center because it's also, it doesn't necessarily have that history and it's more just like a multi-purpose because the, the Lakers and the Clippers have both played out mm. there. Um, basically, I think the Clippers actually moved there just before the Lakers did. And the Clippers actually played at a different um, arena. Mm-hmm. They didn't play this, um, the LA Forum. Um, but, yeah, like for something like the Staples Centre, it doesn't just doesn't – obviously there's a lot of great history there. Like the Lakers have won four titles there. Yeah. Um, but – Only four. Well, they won the – oh, sorry, five. So they won the three-peat um, – with Shaq and Kobe, and then they won Kobe one two, with later on with yeah. Kaka, so Yeah. Um, I'm in denial about those two, obviously. Yeah. But oh, take me back to that. I love they, those Lakers Celtics games. Obviously, that was like one of my favorite times watching the NBA because it was just shockingly it was one of my least favorite. Well, you got a, you got a title there. <laughs> it was. I mean, they were really fun. They were really great, and it was so exciting to win. But the amount of stress that I felt during that period oh, yeah. was just yeah, couldn't handle it. But getting couldn't that first it. title after what a number of years, probably yeah. been like twenty five years, yeah, or something. twenty something like years, that would have been great. But yeah, like the just like. Those two teams were so competitive mm. against each other. Like, it was like, you know, obviously the yeah. long, there's a long history of um, mm. competition, particularly going looking at the 80s with um, Bird and Magic. But, yeah, yeah. Like those those couple of years there, when you had that um, Celtics team with Pierce, Garnett, Ray Ray, Rondo, and that Lakers team with Kobe. You know, Kobe's a psychopath when it comes to competition. <laughs> so... And, like, Kevin Garnett is a mm-hmm. psychopath. Yeah. Like, he's one of the yeah. most intense guys ever. It was just, like, such good viewing experience. I don't know if I've ever mentioned it on this podcast before, but I think one of my favorite Garnett moments wasn't even on the basketball court. It's a video It's a video clip of Ray Allen being interviewed, and you can hear Kevin Garnett screaming in the background. Like, just... That sums him like, up. And... It, and you just see Rondo's face and, like, Rondo's trying to answer a question. And he's kind of, like, turned around listening because you can hear Garnett screaming. And he was, like, 
just his face. And he was like, what's he screaming about? It's media day. It's <laughs> so, like there was no game. There was no practice. It was like they were purely just being like doing interviews and doing photo shoots and stuff. And he was that yeah. hyped. Yeah. Like, I love him. What a great dude. Um, but we, yeah, we could talk about the Lakers and Celtics all day. We could. We could. Um, but so fun fact, it was the forum was built on a former golf course, continuing up. Oh, we've got today. such a good golf theme going on. Uh, on this whole podcast. But probably the interesting thing as well is it was a very iconic music venue. So pretty much everyone who was anyone played there, like Stones played mm, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Zappen played there 16 times. 16? Yeah. The Who, it was like one of um, Keith Moon's last performances with The Who. Oh, my favourite. Yeah, it's like a famous like bootleg um Album, I think, of that like one of Keith Moon's last um, live appearances. Um, but yeah, like the doors had gigs there, like everyone, like any, everyone who was anyone basically yeah, through that really good period of yeah. music as well, through the 70s and into the 80s. So very iconic. Um, the Forum Club, so <laughs> the nightclub. In the forum. I did not know that they had a nightclub. Yeah, so there's a club in the forum. And, um, you know, from what I was reading, from what I've watched before and stuff, um, it, so there's like a 30 to 30 um, ESPN doco on um, the Magic Johnson HIV announcement. Yeah. And so the first part of that, like, looks at the, the 80s Lakers team. So, yeah, it was like this club. Um, within the, the building and so one of the rules was that players' wives weren't allowed in this club because of course it was the 80s and they were just that's where their girlfriends went yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and sleeping with everybody and anyone and uh, yeah obviously the 80s as well so from what I read probably fair to say a heavy presence of illicit drugs namely cocaine um, but also being in LA as well it was just where the celebs um, often went yeah. as well. So, because the, you know, the 1980s Lakers, the Showtime Lakers, mm-hmm. um, they really brought that celebrity factor that we see continue on to these days with the Lakers and you guys like Jack, um, Jack, who's there in the front row every game and, you know, the you know, actors. <laughs> Did you stuff. just forget Jack Nicholson's last name? No, I just need to say Jack. Who yeah. knows what I'm talking about? <laughs> okay. Jack uh, Nicholson. Yeah. 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 Um, but, yeah, like it really seemingly kicked off in the 80s. Um, well, obviously, like um, probably was there beforehand, but the 80s, the Showtime Lakers, and because they were so successful and they had that real celebrity factor that we see surrounding a lot of NBA players today. Um, yeah, the forum and that, that club definitely played a big part of that as well. Well, weren't they, oh my God, I'm totally going to screw this up because I haven't read that book in a long time because the book, the When the Gang Was Ours, that Johnson and Bird kind of co-wrote together, weren't they talking yeah. about one of the reasons that that was so successful and why they became so famous was because it was kind of at the perfect time with TV. Yes. And it was, because there were definitely famous basketball players, famous basketball teams. Yeah. 
But it, yeah, it wasn't based. It wasn't like Magic Johnson invented this idea of celebrity. It was just the perfect storm of yeah. a really good rivalry, yeah. a decent commissioner, and the fact TV that they had reach. television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that could go national. Yeah, yeah. Or even, but it sounds like it really was the perfect storm, mm. right? And then you yeah. get a fucking and then you could join them later in the yeah. And the arena we don't do that enough. Why aren't there any nightclubs in any of our stadiums? Yeah, that's something America does because like. Um, like people talk about the um, Barclays Center in Brooklyn and stuff, which is one of the newer arenas, and that's basically got like nightclub underneath the stands for. Well, yeah, it's really like the only way now for you to justify public investment in private infrastructure yeah. Yeah. is by demonstrating that it's going to be useful to the public. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. It's just like not a thing in Australia whatsoever. Like you have to you get to like a football game and then jump on the train for like 20 minutes to find a pub. Oh, I know. To get after the game. I know. I know. Um, okay. I feel like our episode is getting really long. So mm. did you have anything else on the forum? Uh, no, I think we covered the key things there. We I just had one quick one. Yeah, go for it. The original architect was a gentleman named Charles Luckman. Mm. And he also designed the Prudential Tower, Madison Square Garden, and my personal favorite, Aloha Stadium, which is the only stadium in Hawaii. Aloha. <laughs> um, no, never again. Don't do that. Uh, but <laughs> sorry. Hawaii was yeah. Uh, but yeah, Madison Square Garden as well. So two iconic music and sport venues. Um, well, until 20, um, until 2020... Madison Square Garden group, so James Dolan's group, actually owns the forum. Well, there you go. Um, and then, so I don't know if you know, do you know who they sold it to? No, I don't want to know. Do I want to know? Oh, it's not that. Steve Ballmer. Oh. Because he wants to, so they're going to build the new LA Clippers arena, um, like, next to, basically next to the forum in Inglewood, but... It was something like he needed to buy it because, like, the group had the the rights to, like, I don't know, something weird like live performances in the area or there's something, there was some sort of legal thing. Oh, okay, okay. I see what you're saying. So he's yeah, not going to yeah. yeah. do anything with the forum. But, Is he yeah. going to tear it down? I hope not. I was um, going to say, you almost just want to keep it for... Yeah, and like <laughs> as a memento, and they're yeah. like new arenas can be very basketball specific in yeah, terms yeah. of how it's designed. But yeah, fascinating. Can't wait. Can't wait. Um, did you have anything else on this minute? I did not. I feel like that was a really educational minute. Um, and I think we should leave it that way. Mm. Very not a lot of tangents, which is rare for us. Yeah, we I we nearly. Going there a second when we we're to bring it back. About, uh, Tried to keep you on but, track. Um, well, it must be quote time then. Must be. Uh, well, because we were talking about LA um, and the Lakers, we go with another Kobe Bryant quote today. Um, so Kobe talking about um, his relationship with MJ. It's fun. We're really different. It's crazy. He'll compete with any or everything. I won't. I'll only compete with things that I'm really good at. 